your windshield's gonna freeze up. It's time to winterize the car as temperatures are hitting record lows across Utah. This was unlike most political debates because everyone was kind of in agreement with each other. What to expect from Provo City elections this week? It's five o'clock somewhere. For some people, it's time to celebrate Utah's new 5% beer by cracking open a cold one. You're listening to the Newsline Review, the show that brings you the weekly roundup of this week's most important news and how it affects your daily life. My name is Matthew Loveland, and I'll be your tour guide today. I'm here with Newsline reporter and weather anchor Danny Hallows. Hi, Danny. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> so, Danny, what kind of weather have we been seeing this past week? So this week has been crazy. It's kind of like a fall freeze. We saw a, a new record that set was set for Salt Lake City. So it was a cold temperature for the month of October. That was set Wednesday morning. The record low now is 14 degrees before it was previously 16. So we broke it not by just a little bit, but degrees tend to be a lot when it comes to records. So those two degrees early in the morning, very, very cold record temperature. I've heard some businesses have been closing because of the temperature. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, we've had Lagoon, a few other haunted houses closed, mostly because it's sometimes dangerous for the employees to be out there. When when you're having those Halloween events, it tends to be late at night, in the dark. So there's not a lot of warmth. You're not getting anything from the sun. Those cold temperatures can really hit hard for businesses when it happens during Halloween. Things can change, but that's been the general trend for the last few years. Well, let's hope for that then. Yeah, it'll be wonderful if we get some warmer weather in the next few days. Perfect. Thank you so much, Danny. You're welcome. It's really, really cold. As temperatures continue to drop and the roads start getting icy, it's important for drivers to winterize their car. For some, that includes brakes, lubes, heaters, and tires. Franco Pina, a Provo mechanic, noticed a startling statistic. I would say 90 plus percent of accidents on the road nowadays are due to bad tires. Good tires during the summer are not good tires during winter. Normal tires have basic treads and are good for all weather purposes during the summer and rain. Snow tires are a little more aggressive. They have these siping cuts in them that makes the tire a little bit more pliable. And we have these holes here that we fill with metal studs. That way it can grip the road like spikes in icy weather. Truth is, driving an unwinterized car is not safe in freezing temperatures. Mechanics encourage people to take precautions in order to avoid accidents. As the saying goes, better safe than sorry. More snow is on the way and Provo Police is giving advice on how to stay safe on the roads. Officials urge drivers to stop driving distracted. Put the phones down, wear seat belts, and plan your driving. A couple of common reasons of car accidents in the snow are driving too fast for the conditions, failing to clear all windows, and poor braking. Provo Police to say to watch out for traffic enforcement team along 500 West and University Avenue and Cougar Boulevard in the coming week. The Lone Peak Police Department is apologizing after last week's lockdown mix-up. Last Friday, police personnel overheard a shooting threat at Highland High School and wrongly assumed that the threat was at Lone Peak High in the city of Highland. The mishap caused Lone Peak to go into immediate lockdown. Lone Peak police say we realized this was a traumatizing event for students, faculty, and staff. Please accept our sincerest apologies for any stress or anxiety that may have occurred as a result. Measures have been taken to avoid such miscommunication in the future and additional training will be provided. October marks the one-year anniversary of the murder of student-athlete Lauren McCluskey on University of Utah campus. The university is creating a new safety team to handle all threats so that another tragedy like hers may never happen again. Some students feel like it's a big step to make them safer. One student, Henry Crandall, is optimistic. At a university level, it's probably quite helpful. I mean, will it affect me personally in my individual life here at school? No. I feel safe on campus. However, 
Associate Dean of Students Brian Burton recognizes that it won't be that easy to regain lost trust. Trust was lost, so I think that's going to take some time to rebuild that trust and it's going to take relationship building. Currently, the U is in the process of hiring a chief safety officer. Once that position has been filled, the plan will take effect at the beginning of next year. The Utah Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control has run out of bar licenses for potential business owners. This is the second shortage in the last two years. The last two permits were handed out earlier this week, and five prospective bars, some of them hoping to open in November, have been placed on a waiting list. Permits are only made available if another bar relinquishes their license, or the population increases to an approved level as Utah legislation only allows one bar per 10,200 people. Budweiser came to celebrate the Utah beer law change and brought the world-famous Clydesdales to the streets for Halloween. After 86 years, Utah changed its beer law from a 3.2% to a 5%, allowing Utahns to drink Budweiser's at normal recipe. Putting the previous beer law to rest, they marked the Death Wednesday at 7.30, where the Clydesdales went around the corners of 200 South and State Street in Salt Lake City. The horses then also celebrated Halloween along the historic 25th Street in Ogden. But there's booze in the blender. Several Utahns took to social media to celebrate, says Nicole Deku. Halloween on a Thursday? Waking up to the fact that it's not Saturday is almost as sobering as the jolt I get when I remind myself that Utah's new 5% ABV is still the lowest in the nation. The work continues. Matthew Jacobson also says, Four hours of sleep and I wake up to find the beer is stronger in Utah. Maybe the universe is telling me something. Ethan the Red also responds, It's Friday, baby, and Utah's got 5% beer now. It's already a great day. Ginger Fontaine says, Hoping everyone in Utah survived the Utah beer drought of 2019. Shelves are full again. Provo elections are coming up next week, and four city council positions are up for grabs. Newsline reporter Joseph Carson went to a panel this week where a bunch of the candidates got together to describe what's going on. Hey, Joseph, who are some of the candidates up for running right now? Well, uh, the ones that uh, I think maybe the, the most hotly contested position is the one for the citywide seat. And uh, the ones running for that one are Janae Moss and David Shipley, who are running against each other. Uh, there's also, you got Shannon Ellsworth and Travis Hoban, Valerie Paxman, Robin Roberts. Um, the way that the election's set up, right, Provo's got all the districts, you know, and then there's three district spots opening up plus one citywide seat. One of the districts, though, the, the candidate running is running uncontested, so no one's running against him. He's probably going to win. That's my guess. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of these issues that these candidates are promoting? Pretty much everybody. Um, this was unlike most political debates because everyone was kind of in agreement with each other. <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> everyone had basically the same ideas, but everybody was concerned about growth and economic development. Basically, Provo is growing really, really fast. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of debate about where the growth should be put and where the buildings should be built and how big we should build them and how many people we can put inside the buildings. And uh, one area in particular, West Provo, kind of out by Utah Lake, it's very rural, a lot of farmland, a lot of ranch land out there. And the people who live there don't really want it turned into, you know, a suburban neighborhood, but, but that's what some people want. So it's a lot of debate like that. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. I guess you highlight that a little bit in some of the sound that you picked up from the debate here. Yes. And the biggest issue uh, facing Provo at this point is financial sustainability. We've got to solve that. Growth. The population of Utah Valley 
is going to double in the next 20 years and we need a plan for all of that growth. The rapid development that's happening, but I think that we need to take time to slow down for a minute and make a good plan. Strengthening our businesses and attracting more businesses to Provo. The city budget and development. Economic development, trying to bring business back into Provo. So which of these issues are you most concerned about personally? Um, taxes. We're always concerned about taxes, you know, and the city council is the one who decides what our city taxes go to. And even though I, I don't, like, pay property taxes, I rent an apartment, and so taxes are paid through that to my landlord. Um, I buy groceries here, I eat at restaurants here, and so all that, in a way, sort of filters to the city. So what day are the elections? They're coming up on November 5th, which I believe is next Tuesday. Yep. So you can actually vote any time between now and then if you got a mail-in ballot. That's just the vote-in-person day. So where can we learn more about these candidates' issues? You'd want to go to uh, www.provo.org. It's the city website. And I think the first link you'll see when you open up the website up at the top will be a link to more information about the elections or, you know, a page like that. Oh, hey, thank you so much for coming on, Joseph. Of course. Thank you. A rule that would have allowed ATVs on certain roads in Utah's five national parks has been scrapped by the U.S. government one week before it was set to take effect. The National Park Service said Friday that it reversed course after consulting with Interior Secretary David Bernhardt. They concluded the rule wasn't necessary and declined to elaborate. The rule would have conformed to a Utah state law passed in 2008 that allowed any street legal vehicle on state and county roads. Instead, a long-standing ban on ATVs and off-road vehicles in national parks will remain in effect. A Utah judge issued a temporary restraining order to overturn the partial ban on e-cigarette and vaping products. The Utah Department of Health issued the temporary ban to try and reduce the amount of vaping illnesses and deaths. The ban only allowed specialty stores to sell flavored products, making general tobacco shop owners say the ban could put them out of business. The health department is now prohibited from enforcing the rule. The newest segment of the Mountain View Corridor in Utah County is now open. To celebrate, runners and walkers took the road to test it before it opens to the public. The road goes from 2100 North and Redwood Road in Lehigh to SR-73 in Saratoga Springs. Gentlemen, we are the most elite team of firefighters in the world. Utah firefighters bring the heat to California wildfires. With daylight savings coming up, there's more to do than just changing the clock. Her first reaction was to look for him. And who one woman found by watching an episode of Newsline. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Fitbit is being acquired by Google's parent company, Alphabet, for about $2.1 billion. With the deal announced Friday morning, Alphabet wades into a very crowded field. Fitbit is a pioneer in wearable fitness technology, but it's been under pressure from other device makers. Reactions to the announcement have been mixed. Dave Roosh responds on Twitter, Crap! Now I have to put up with ads on my Fitbit and Google tracking me as I walk. No thanks. Ian Klassen responds, As a previous Fitbit owner, I'm guessing they are not buying for the watch band technology. Maybe not, Ian. RSH brings a legitimate question to the table. Will Alexa integration with Fitbit continue or not? He, that's a valid point because Alexa integration with Fitbit began with the Versa 2. 
Sailor Ghoul is probably the most optimistic out of everyone I've seen so far. He says, My face when I have Fitbit stock! Woohoo! A power company says it's likely responsible for one of the most destructive fires in California history. A report by the Ventura County Fire Department found Southern California Edison's electrical equipment caused the Wolseley Fire. It erupted nearly a year ago on November 8 in Malibu. Three people died, three firefighters were hurt, and more than 1,600 structures were destroyed. Los Angeles County filed a lawsuit earlier this year seeking millions of dollars in damages because of the fire. Last year, SCE also acknowledged that its equipment was responsible for the 2017 Thomas Fire. That's the second largest fire in modern California history. Wildfires burning out of control have forced all of California to be under a state of emergency. Two major wildfires fed by hurricane-force winds are burning at opposite ends of the state. The biggest fire, the Kincaid Fire, is only 5% contained as it burns throughout Sonoma County. In the south, evacuation orders were lifted Sunday, but not before the fires destroyed and damaged dozens of homes. Only you can prevent wildfires. 40 Utah wildfires are headed to California today to help battle raging wildfires in the Golden State. This deployment is part of the Emergency Assistance Compact, a state-to-state -state mutual aid system organized by the emergency management agencies. Utah firefighters will make up one Type 3 strike team and one task force. Their deployment will last two weeks. Daylight savings time ends tomorrow and everybody's clocks will fall back one hour. However, Newsline reporter Halston Brown is here to tell me that there's a little more that we should all be looking out for. Halston, thank you for joining me. Yeah, of course. So what else do people need to look out for at Daylight Savings? So um, this is something that not too many people know about, but it's a very important precaution to take in your homes. So while you take the time to set back your clock, set them back an hour, your stove clock, your car clock, all those things that we procrastinate, um, the biggest thing not to put off is your smoke detector batteries. Um, the fire departments actually very much encourage people when, as, just as a reminder that when you're changing your clocks back, just take an extra minute, change out the batteries in your smoke detectors um, as a safety precaution. Interesting. But how important is it actually to do that? Um, obviously incredibly important. There is, is a statistic from the, the National Fire Protection Association that says three out of five house fire deaths actually occurred due to people disconnecting their smoke detectors. So obviously that's incredibly, incredibly important because you don't think it'll be you until it is. Oh, wow. I guess that makes sense. Uh, Zach Lazenby, one of the firefighters you talked to, warns us about some of the dangers that people may unknowingly face. A lot of house fires come from electrical issues. So if, that, if you don't change the batteries in your smoke detector, they don't have a backup power source. So if the problem is electrical and you lose power in your home before that alarm goes off, then it would not notify you. So what's the most important thing you want the Newsline audience to learn from this story? I think the most important thing is, like I said before, you don't think it's going to be you. So it, it honestly, it takes maybe five minutes just uh, smoke detectors take nine volt batteries. Just go to the store. If you have some, just pick them up, change out your smoke detectors. Um, obviously, like I in the past have talked to so many people who are like, oh, my smoke detector was chirping and they unplug their smoke detector, take out the batteries, neglect it. And uh, like they, of course, they don't realize that it will be them, but you, you can't control what happens. Electrical fires, like you can't control whether or not these things happen. Makes sense. Sounds like Zach has a similar story to that. But I have been on calls where they are unable to figure out how to change it or um, neglected it. Now it's waking them up in the three in the morning and they're not sure why it's going off or what's going on. 
So where can we go to learn more about this? So you can actually go to the National Fire Protection Association, the NFPA um, website, um, just nfpa.org. Um, you go there, and they they have lots of tips, um, different experiences. You can go there for um, anything, basically anything you need to know about your smoke detectors. You can also call your local fire department. Um, they will have plenty of information for you. And yeah, what inspired you to track down this story? Um, so it was actually it started off as a different story. I wanted to do there's a daylight savings petition to actually get rid of daylight savings, oh. and I was thinking. Um, what kind of effects happen if we were to get rid of daylight savings? And that's kind of where this came along. This is a huge effect of getting rid of it because um, there's a lot of people who, who use this time as a reminder to take extra precautions to their home. And if you forget to do these things, obviously they have catastrophic consequences. So, um, yeah, this would be a, a, definitely a huge blow, a huge effect. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Halsey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> a year ago. Newsline told you a story on the misconceptions and struggles the homeless community face. The story brought a surprising and unexpected family reunion. Berto Sanchez has the story. What would you do if you were presented with a second chance to self-healing and reconciliation? Meet Brielle Nelson, a young woman who never thought she'd be presented with that opportunity. And it was a video of my father and he was being interviewed. And I was like, who, like, what is going on? What is this interview for? And I see that he's trying to advocate for homelessness. And I was like, why would my father advocate for homelessness? And then I put two and two together that he was homeless himself. It was an unexpected surprise. She recognized her father after not seeing him for over a decade. Her first reaction was to look for him. I took to the streets of Salt Lake when I found out that my father was homeless. Um, I went to every homeless shelter in Salt Lake City. Almost a year after our homeless story aired, Brielle Nelson's life took an unexpected turn that led her into a journey of healing, self-worth, and a second chance. And finding out that it's my birth father just, A, it wrecked me. I was so emotionally destroyed. All in the same sense, I was so uplifted. When I found my father, the last place I saw him was the first place I found him. On his birthday, September 20th, 2019. On my birthday, I got this call. I was just waking up. And my girlfriend said, your daughter downstairs. She said, that's your real baby downstairs. It was just like being in the hospital. I've seen it for the first time there. So what would you do if you were presented with a second chance? Brielle and Benjamin have been presented with an opportunity to start all over again. Brielle and Benjamin have been reunited. They are busy trying to make up for all the lost time they miss. They both look forward in getting to know each other again. 50 Utah veterans boarded a flight for Washington, D.C. early Thursday. The group consists of mostly Vietnam veterans and will visit memorials built in honor of their service and sacrifice. The veterans will return to Utah November 2nd. Members of the public are invited to attend the home. Members of the public are invited to attend the home celebration at the Box Elder County Fairgrounds in Tremont to welcome back the veterans when they return. Well, that's all for today's episode of the Newsline Review. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to Danny Hallows, Joseph Carson, and Halston Brown for joining me today. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, or wherever you can listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is Matthew Loveland with the Newsline Review. Have a wonderful weekend.